0: Welcome disciple makers and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board discipleship team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the watershed principle, which identifies 6 main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long, for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bulsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast. Welcome Georgia Baptist Discipleship, where we seek
1: and attempt to bring you the best discipleship practices and principles happening in Georgia and across the nation. So on today's broadcast, we have an incredible resource for you in Randy Gravit. Now, Randy is an author. He's a speaker, executive coach who encourages leaders to reach their potential. In 2014, Randy founded the Integrate Leadership Team, and that's where he's currently serving as the CEO in leading a team of coaches and consultants who work with high-performance leaders and organizations all over the world. Now, Randy works with companies like Chick Fil A, and you've heard a lot of these: Grand Hyatt, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Kroger, WindShape Foundation. And he's also served on the leadership coaches uh, for people like Pittsburgh Pirates and Buffalo Bills, which is just kind of crazy cool, right? So we're really interested and excited to have Randy come on. And I've just got some, some questions about what we do in discipleship, in disciple making, and in leadership that he has, I've heard him speak, and I've been with him, and I really want to translate some of that of how God impacted me into what you all are going to hear today. Now, if you're looking for resources, Randy also is an author, and he's co-authored a book called Finding Your Way, and another one called Unstuck, and both titles are aimed at helping leaders discover their passion and live fully engaged lives. Now, he's got a daily podcast that I can recommend to you. It's called Chasing Greatness, and it's aimed at helping leaders win at work, win at home, and win at life. Welcome, Randy. Glad you're on here with us, buddy.
2: Thanks, Scott. I'm excited to hang out with you guys for a little while today.
1: It's cool. You bet. You bet. Now, I got to ask you, so being a girl dad, being in a house with five women, in your home, I'm just like, what's the deal? You couldn't find a male dog, a guinea pig, a stray ferret. I mean, what's going on?
2: Uh, it was a whole lot of sandpaper. Uh, God used to <laughs> work on my rough edges. <laughs> These uh, girls were a lot of fun. But but they're all grown and gone and off the payroll now, so it's kind of fun. They, oh, bringing, so you, you got the bringing, empty
1: nester thing going on.
2: Exactly. They're bringing back grandkids now. It's fun.
1: Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Well, friends, those of you who are listening, let me encourage you to watch or listen to the end, because I'm going to also share at the end, the hardest question that the Lord has asked me and that I've been marinating on in the three years that I've lived in Georgia. So I want you to be a part of that. So make sure you listen to the end. So uh, also just a reminder, I want to say thank you to our listeners, because you guys have chosen to interact this past year 15,000 times plus per month in interactions with us. So listen, we we just are grateful that you would trust us uh, to be able to put out content that you would want to engage in some way with. I also want to remind you that our discipleship team, just like every time, we have a collection of resources that we want to give away. So make sure that you leave a comment uh, or that you share it. And if you share it, you'll get double uh, entry into that giveaway. And you just may end up, as an illustration in one of Randy's talks, as he trains Fortune 500 companies like Google and Amazon. You just never know, right, Randy?
2: There you go. You never know. That's right. I mean, and I've got a little resource I'll give everybody at the end as well. So stick around. Oh, super like- cool.
1: Super That's a cool. Yeah, we love resources. We love that for sure. So let's jump in. Um, now, just by context. So a lot of our people who are listening, they are they are pastors. Now we got some are going to be megas and biggers, but the majority of them are going to get those medium to what we call normative size. So, so probably the majority are going to be running less than 500 and the vast majority running less than 200 in their churches. So that's kind of the context. And I thought as we are talking about discipleship in leading that, I thought I might just ask you because um, defining the word leader can be tough, and I've heard a lot of different and some of even crazy definitions of that word. So, do you have a definition of leader? And maybe like, did you wear? Did you learn that from someone? did Did someone model that for you?
2: Yeah, it's really great. I I think when I think about leadership, I actually think about a picture. It's 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 great to have a definition. I think that's good. You know, how would you say it? But I think the picture of the iceberg has really helped us. We talk about it when we train companies and organizations, we remind them that you, you do have to start with a picture of leadership years ago. When, when we did the original work on defining leader, uh, there were, I think at the time, 6,000 published definitions. I Googled it actually, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, and there are 25 million hits. If you Google, what is a oh, leader? It, which, where, where do you start? I like the picture of an iceberg. It, it, it's got this weightiness to the bottom. They, my science friends tell me that it's about 80 to 90 percent of the of the weight, the mass, is below the waterline, 10 percent above. And I think that's a really good picture. There's a character side of leadership, which is underneath, and there's the skill side, which is is what people see. And you know, it, it's if you think of the best leader you've ever known as an example, and you think about what it was that made them a leader that that would make your list you know, I'm I'm old guy now. And if I think back over my whole life, I picked the very best leader I've ever known. What is it that would cause them to make my list? It actually is not their skill. They, I mean, they could all lead meetings and solve problems and build teams and all that, but it was their character, their, their Mm -hmm. belief in me, their encouragement, their trustworthiness, their integrity. Those are the things that make somebody a leader that others would want to follow. And so I think that picture helps me understand there's there is a character side there's a skill side now let me say that skill side is important you 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 know I know a bunch of really great trustworthy character driven people that don't have the skills I always said if the room caught on fire they couldn't get us out the door but then there's other people if the room caught on fire they have all these skills but you, I'm not sure we'd want to follow them because they don't have the character and so it I think that picture just helps me think about yes it's influence yes it's leading people and yes it's helping people get from here to there, but at the end of the day, it is it is a balance between the the weightiness of character or integrity and and then and then having the skills to to take people from where you are to where you're trying to take them. So I I don't know if that's an answer to a definition, but I think that picture is is helpful when we think about it. And and all of us need to really be growing both. I mean it's you know but but that character side is a is a place we have to keep working.
1: I love I love what you just said because we have talked often on here, as you can imagine, Randy, about where we are in Southern Baptist life and, and Christian leaders. And, and you're not you're not coming on here just as a leadership guru. I mean, you are a believer. You are a a, a yep. guy who's in ministry and you're helping ministry. So you'll you'll understand this. Like we've I've never seen the time in the church when it was more important to have yep. character. Because we have, I mean, honestly, there aren't many of those guys that were kind of my heroes. When you think of those top three to five guys that you follow, like if this guy believes that, well, then I believe it because I just trust him wholeheartedly. Right. Well, man, most of like four of those five of those guys are gone because yeah. they had the biggest skill I've ever seen. But then at some point, maybe even just one decision and lost it all. So, gosh, thanks for bringing that up. The iceberg yeah, is. Uh, I-
2: I'll add to that, I don't think people forget how to lead meetings and solve problems and build teams and cast vision. It is the character side, and it, it's really not a – if I could just build on it for a second. It's not – how would I say it? It's not a, a, an implosion of character. It's actually an erosion. It, it Typically, Ooh. it just – you have these little cracks, and they leak a little bit, and the next thing you know, we're, we're nowhere close to where we should be, but it's just a little bit of an erosion every day. And the next thing you know, we, we forfeit our character. And it looks like this big, like this, how did this happen? But it's because we didn't really pay attention to the, the to the integrity side on, on, on the front end of our leadership. So I, I think it's yeah. just huge.
1: Um, that, is, to- that is so good. There's a ton of those small decisions that led up to the big. It really does. That's yep. great. Now, Randy, our team spent some time with you, and I think we even have some more times built in coming up, but you shared two things and and in my notes as I, I just left there. These were things that I like, man, these are handles that I can hold on to. And, and honestly, I'm I'm not like, I'm not even going to say it's something I've never, I've never heard, but it just struck me that day. Like, that's me. I'm that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So here's the first one. I just want to bring these up. And I just want, want you to kind of unpack this for a second. The first one is this silence doesn't make it on your calendar by accident. And the idea, like I said, it's not new. But it struck me in such a peculiar way as a guy who who works sixty hours a week and, and yeah. absolutely when I tell you I love what I do, I man, yeah. I can't overemphasize what I mean by that. I genuinely yeah. love what I do. So I get up in the morning and I am excited actually to get up and go to bed at night, knowing I get to get up and do it again the next day. But this part of it, I'm telling you, this is where I am. It does not happen by by accident. So man, just dig into that for a second for our leaders.
2: Yeah. So. I'll go all the way back to the beginning of, I guess, the pandemic. I was, you know, I've been on the road a lot and I'm doing events for organizations and teams all over the place. It's so much fun, but everything sort of shuts down. And I pick up uh, a copy of uh, a book that a guy named John Mark Comer had written called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm reading this Mm -hmm. book and he gets over to the back of the book and he makes this statement. He's talking about the apostle Paul and I've, and I've run across this scripture that where Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And I, I don't know, as an author, I read that and I'm thinking, how brilliant is that sentence? Ambition and quiet in the same sentence. And so I just chew on it for several months and I, I just, I can't get that scripture out of my mind. that, You know, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And four or five months ago, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking noise. Um, it's just, it's just everywhere right now. And, and noise makes it onto my calendar, whether I put it there or not is, is the way I've been thinking about it. You know, and there's so much noise, there's political noise right now. There's, there's email noise and detail noise. And, you know, your, your family has got noise going on and there's, you know, uh, there, there's media noise, social media noise. I've got noise on my own head noise. My boss maybe is making noise. If, if you've got a boss, I, I mean, with every uh, everywhere you go, there's noise. And some of that noise is really good, but it, it's just, it's just going to make it on your, your calendar is going to be full of noise. I, I started thinking though, quiet does not make it onto my schedule unless I put it there. And I think that's a big, that's a big idea. It's a, it's a, it's, it's part of that make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. God says be still and know that I'm God. And I, I grew up up in North Georgia um, just a, you know, country boy, a kid basically. We had a Creek behind our house and you could get a, you can get a glass. You've probably heard this before, but you can get a glass of Creek water in that, in a, in a, in a glass where you can see it. And there's actually, it looks clean and clear and you drink it and it's, it's cold. That's all great. But, But there's a little bit of sediment in that. There's a little bit of um, bacteria, whatever. I'm not sure. I don't. don't, We don't want to drink it. (laughs) But if you put that on the counter and just let it sit there for a few minutes, that sediment begins to settle to the bottom. And I think we're Mm -hmm. in a time where leaders are not spending enough time in quiet and allowing the the noise is still going to be there. There's still sludge in the bottom of the thing at the end of the day. But but I don't know that we can totally eliminate all the noise in our life. But but we don't even spend any time allowing that to settle. And I think it's really hard to lead out of noise to, to lead effectively out of noise. I think the best leaders I know, they do have this element where they're leading out of quiet and they have a centered heart and some of that stuff. And so, you know, A, just get to know God during that time, but B, I think God really will direct, you know, who do I need to be helping? What am I really trying mm-hmm. to accomplish? Let's let's regain perspective, all that stuff. So to me, noise is, it's, it's it can be toxic and if, especially if it's just constant noise. And so I think we've got to work harder than ever before to, to make quiet actually sacred. God, you know, if you go all the way back to the to the beginning of Genesis, the first thing God ever made holy was a day. It was, you know, God didn't need a break, but he but he set aside the Sabbath as, as a as the first thing that's holy in scripture, mm-hmm. and which is pretty cool when you think about it. And so this noise, I never hear anybody or never hear a place in scripture where it talks about noise being sacred. Quiet mm-hmm. is, is sacred. And I think the more we make it our our ambition, you know, a lot of top wow. A people probably listen to this, a lot of leaders. We're always charging the hill, but but are we charging the hill of quiet? And I think if we do, we're we're gonna be so much more effective when it's yeah. all sudden.
1: And that really speaks to me. And I think probably a lot of leaders are on here because we're doers, you know, that James wanted to be a doer of the word. What doer doesn't have to come. I don't have to work harder at that. That comes naturally for me. <laughs> the listener part doesn't come naturally for me. And and here's what, Randy, coming out of that comment you made between that time and and today, here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, basically my my commitment to be quiet is connected to my ability to think deeply.
2: Yeah. So as a
1: doer thinking deeply doesn't come naturally because I always want I'm always I'm always three steps. Like I I lose the moment a lot of times because I'm always three steps down the road. It's the being quiet that allows me to think deeply. And those were the best ideas, the best sermons come when I'll just stop talking, stop moving. So man, great thought there. Let's, let's go to a second one. And um, you mentioned about failing forward as something that leaders experience that um, can become a launch pad to big impact and seeing long-term results. So here, here's my question, peel back a few layers here about this failing forward for us um, because we, we want to have a, um, an atmosphere where failing when nobody wants to fail. But when we do, we want it to be a launch pad, right? Not a landing mm-hmm. pad. So maybe give us some examples and just unpack that failing forward.
2: Yeah, I, I look back on my own life and the times where I have um, struggled or fallen down, I think it's actually made me stronger in the long run. And and i get around so many people they're they're just almost protective and they don't want to fail they they actually lead live lead out of fear if they're not careful and i think that growth mindset of you know carol dweck talked about this in her book mindset but i think that growth mindset being willing to struggle being willing to fail i think it's so it's so powerful and i heard somebody say one time that that adversity actually increases our capacity. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think when we've gone through hard stuff, how many, how many testimonies do we hear? Somebody has gone through something really hard and we got, Oh, wow. They're still standing. They're still moving. They're still fighting. I, I think that's inspiring. And, and, and when we get to a point where we start being so protective and so fearful and we it's, it's really courage is what it is. And, um, I, I, or a lack of courage. And when we don't have courage, when we just get to a place where we're comfortable, I don't think really good leaders are comfortable being comfortable. They're, they're comfortable when they're being courageous, when they, when they are, I mean, God says right over and over, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. He reminds us to do that. And, and a willingness to fail is, is, it's just maybe one of the ultimate ways we show courage. I I heard a leader say one time that we ought to be failing 20% of the time, if we really want to be growing. and, (laughs) I mean, I I don't know that we make it our goal to mess up on purpose. That's not it. But I think there's so much to learn when we struggle. And I I know there's probably people listening right now, they're going through some really hard stuff. And it's incredible how on the backside of that, God can take that and really use that for for good to help other people down the road. And so I think we need to learn from that, lean into that. It's obviously, it's better to learn from other people's failures. You've heard that before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I got that. But but I don't think we should be afraid to to mess up. We have a God of grace. We have a God of uh, generosity and mercy and all that stuff. And I, and I think God takes those stories and just, it's it just really gives people a picture of what God can do when we're willing to, to lean in when things are hard we get up and we, we stay resilient. Our God is even, I heard somebody say this last weekend, when things aren't great for me, I can't always remember God, God's always great, you know, so mm-hmm. I think in even in the midst of failure, God's got His hand on that, and He He, he can uh, He can use that, and sometimes even redeem that stuff. That you know, our 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 worst mistakes can become you know God's greatest avenue for grace in our lives. So, yeah, I don't think we should fear failure. God commands us all the time be courageous. He, he never yeah. commands us to be comfortable. You know, so hopefully that's helpful.
1: And for those of you who don't have your sermon written for Sunday. That's there a great, that's a great tagline right there. He never called us to be comfortable, but courageous. Oh, that'll yeah. uh, that'll win the day. All right. So um, you talk about leaders need to be courageous. Let's play off of that courage and being courageous just for a second, because you you often talk about how you need courage to be able to thrive, and even mention that that we need to acknowledge fear, embrace the risk, initiate action. And In my experience is that many of our leaders who get to the initiate action phase of courage. That's when we tend to, to phase out. We stall out because mm-hmm. the initiate action is it goes from a thought. It goes from a concept to where I'm having to put feet to my faith. And sometimes that's, that's difficult and we're all selfish creatures, right? So here's my question. What would you say to the leader who's trying to have courage, trying to move the needle, but he simply does not seem to be working, right? The the plan ain't happening. It's not coming together. You know, I got here just before the pandemic or whatever, and I'm implementing, but man, we're not growing. The money's not great. The Sunday school's not great. The worship doesn't seem to be thriving, but they don't know what to do next.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think for me, when I get in those situations where things aren't working, I always try to call time out. It's almost like, I'm like, I'm an old coach and I, I think, I think it's cool in a game that you got to time out. Things aren't going the way they should. You get to call time out bring everybody over and say, let's let's make an adjustment. I think that leading out a quiet piece, one of the things we do when we get into quiet, I, w- I would even say it this way, it's active thinking. I'll use what you said a minute ago. I think that's a powerful phrase, powerful concept. I think sometimes we get in quiet and we think, okay, this is my chance to check my phone or scroll. to That's not actually, you know, or margin. Go back to even margin, this idea of margin. Yeah. Um you know, it's, I won't get off on that, but I think sometimes we think margin is, do I have time to take a break or whatever? That's, that's actually not what we're talking about here. So when you get in a a situation where things aren't working and you call time out, I think to recalibrate and ask yourself, what are we really trying to accomplish? Why is it not happening? What might be some of the barriers to, to, to what it is we're trying to do? You know, maybe it's, I'm not leading the way I should, or maybe I'm not communicating with the right people in the right way. Maybe I'm saying it, but they're not really hearing it. We're not connecting. Maybe our meetings are not effective. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could go into low performance. Uh, It's, you know, we're, we are in a different culture, but I can stand behind that, use that as an excuse. The world's just changed and people don't want to be reached anymore. And people won't, you know, I, I don't think that's acceptable. I think God's called us to go reach people to grow people up. In this case, you're, you guys are talking about discipling people, life on life, and and how do we grow the community? And so I think when we when we get off, let's recalibrate as leaders and say what are we what are we doing that's not working? Let's identify that and then let let's try something else. It would be it would be almost like a, you know, football season was going on, and and all these all these teams at the end of every game they they will watch the game film. And they will assess what happened and they'll make adjustments going forward. I, I don't think as pastors or leaders or small group leaders, discipleship leaders, we should let, you know, athletes think about what they did and what's going right or not going right. And, and us not give any thought to it. And I think we just go event to event Sunday to Sunday, group to group. And we really don't ask ourselves what's working, what's not working, where do we need to make adjustments? And this idea of continual improvement is, is, or, or, I'll even say it this way. We, we talk about it reinventing continuously. I think it's a, it's a, it's a powerful concept and I don't think we think about it enough. So I would just say for the person who things aren't going like they thought they would. Yeah. then we got, we're going to have to be willing to do something different. And I've been thinking about this the last few months as well. And I've said this a few times. I may have said it when I was with you guys, but better, better. Think about this. Better is always going to feel different. Mm. I mean, what is is it is, is right. But if I'm going, if it's going to be better, I'm going to have to be willing to try something different, do something different. You know, um, I always say it again, I'm, I'm a country boy, but I always say you're getting what you're getting because you're doing what you're doing. And so if it ain't mm-hmm. working, we gotta, we gotta be willing to lean in and say, okay, we got to do something different if we want something better and that's going to feel uncomfortable um, yeah. at times. But, but I think we you know, the mission is higher or the vision is higher than, our comfort level. Again, that's another, this might be another way where we can show courage to be like, okay, we've always done it this way. We got to be willing to to change in a culture that's just changing constantly. Um, yeah. I think, I think, you know, that'd be the way I would, I would say, what am I trying to accomplish and what do we need to do different? If, if we're, if there's a gap,
1: you know, right. To fill in that gap, that's solid. You know, the only thing, I was just sitting there thinking as you were sharing, I, I mentioned a couple of months ago on a broadcast, um, I guess similar situation that, that one of my mindsets when I'm in that is, um, and let's see if I can remember this, this acrostic here, but I try to CEO the situation. I try to create my own work. Like I'm not gonna sit in bed. I'm not gonna moan and gripe about it. I'm gonna get off my rear end and go do something, take initiative, create my own work. And things tend to happen as I'm tilling the soil. And then the right. E was equip and inspire leaders. Like as I think back in my 31 years of ministry, the one thing that I'll never regret is investing in the lives of people that's fine and whipping and inspiring people. I'll never, we'll, we'll just never regret that. And the O is because we live in the, um, and we work in a human based systems is outwork the problem. So we're, we're always going to have those problems come up, but we've got to have a commitment outwork the problem. Don't give up because it punched you in the nose, step back mm-hmm. in and keep going. And eventually we we outwork that. And that's where in my life, that's where those biggest wins have come Randy. In uh, so I really, I really connect with what I you're saying.
2: That. That's that's great.
1: So, all right. So here's, here's another one. So you talk about, cause one of the things you alluded to just a minute ago, I want to hit on that. You talked about accepting responsibility. Like that's a, that's a, a, a key leader trait. And so what's involved in, in accepting responsibility, because I can remember I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 51 and I still don't know that I always like to accept responsibility, especially when it has to do with my wife who seems to always be right in those conversations. <laughs> but so this is hard to manage, uh, particularly internally. So no leader loves it. So what talk to me just about, um, how, how do we manage that part of accepting responsibility and how does that fit into my life as a leader?
2: Yeah, I, I would say a couple of things here. I, um, I think it's important to define the idea of ownership. And when I when I say ownership, I always remind people it's a leader's willingness to take responsibility for his or her actions and the actions of those you lead. So if everybody's reporting to you in an organization or on a team, or let's say you're the parents in a family, I mean, you've got to accept responsibility at, at, at whatever level you are. And it's not somebody else's job to do my job. I mean, it really is. It, it's my job to, to wear the leader hat I think one of the things that happens if I'm not careful is I'll let's say I have a team of six people, as an example, and I began to micromanage and do everybody else's job. It's almost like a quarterback in football; they touch, they have to touch the ball in every play in a football game. Well, I think in in a, in a business setting or in a church setting, if we're not careful, we'll start trying to micromanage everything, mm-hmm. and uh, your people actually will. If you if you do that, you lean in and start doing their job, they'll actually let you. And, they're, and they'll and they'll and they'll actually leave you. But the the bad part is they'll actually stay. They'll, there's nothing worse than your people leave you, but they haven't told you yet. They just <laughs> they suck up your resources right. and your your energy and your payroll, whatever. And uh, this happens in business all the time because leaders just try to have their hands in everything rather than really a discipleship mindset would be developing people, it not not just delegating but developing so somebody could become a a fully, um, you know, a fully ordained disciple, really, they can be sent out and they can do what they're supposed to do, or they can be trained in a skill if it's in a business and and own that. And and I think everything in a business needs to be owned. And I think everybody needs to own something. Engagement goes up when people take ownership. So, but as the leader, if I'm, if I'm in charge of all of it, that doesn't mean I got to do all of it. It it means I need to be developing people. I need to be empowering people. Empowering is probably not the best word because it, it um, it has this connotation that I have the power and I'm giving you. power. I mean, like right. you do as a leader, you you have a lot of um, your voice is is the loudest voice. I'll say that. But I think it's so important that we develop people and we we help people grow. And it really is part of that mindset of being of being a servant leader. I, I, I like the picture of a of a um, almost like an offensive lineman. That goes to a football game. You never hear about the offensive line. You hear about the quarterbacks and the people who score touchdowns. Yeah. The offensive linemen, though, they're the ones who control really the game. A good coach will tell you they're the ones who determine who's going to win. And and I love that they just show up and open up a hole so other people can score and other people can win. I think as a leader, that's our job is to we we tape up and pad up and show up and and really begin to think how can I help the people around me that these young you know. Young disciples, young people that I'm pouring into, next generation, however you want to think about it, your employees, whatever it is, how do I help them win? And there's an old, uh, years ago, Stephen Covey wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talked about the win-win. And and it was almost like, if I help you win, then you'll help me win. I actually like to redefine that. I I like the idea of, of I really didn't win today if I didn't help somebody else win.
0: That's different
2: making more money or more profit or you know it's it's like how amazing is it if we like lie down at night and we know today i i did show up and i helped some other people score today help them level up help them move up yeah the people who do that they're really uh th- those to me are the best leaders those are leaders who are flourishing everything around them starts flourishing you look at them and you go they're just they're they're creating that environment for that to happen and i think we've got to be mindful of that or it, it won't it won't happen on its own so hopefully that's yeah.
1: helpful but yeah that's really good uh, levi skipper our church strength and strategist mentioned yeah. something to me when i first got here matter of fact i've got it written across the bottom of my board and he said just remember when others win we win yeah and i was just you know i was like gosh that's just really good because i'm you know when you are a lieutenant and when you are a doer you and you're in a has-been athlete like myself where well, you are conditioned to win and most of the time you win at the cost of other, some other people losing, right? So that concept doesn't come naturally for us. Do you see I, that?
2: Yeah, I, I'll I interrupt you. Sorry. I think it natural is how can I extract value from the people that are around yeah. me, right? How can I add value? And I think it's so, it, I mean, it's just so counterintuitive, but it's so biblical. It, I mean, yeah. it's the king upside down, right? It's that it, it's, it's, it's really is this mindset of showing up and helping people, when that's, I mean that that really is, yeah. That's why that's why Jesus defined leadership. It's it is the person who serves.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. That's yeah. great. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a that's a great point. Well, um, let me get one more one more question that has been on my mind. So we think about we're talking about leading self, okay, and we want to lead self well, and we know that if we don't lead self well, then everything trickles down and doesn't go well long term. So where does curiosity, um, that that entrepreneurial spirit Come into play with leading self in this discussion. Like, how can we fan the flame of our of our leaders being curious and digging in? Are there any any practices or anything like that that you would mention here?
2: Yeah, I'll say a couple of things and then I'll give you one idea. I I think leaders are readers. We hear that all the time. That's great, and I think they are readers. I mean, I, I you know, but I think even broader, bigger than that is leaders. Are learners. They make a decision to be a lifelong learner, and the best leaders do. When I when I get around leaders who are who are growing themselves, they're always growing people around them. It it, it to me. I, I've never been around somebody who was growing that wasn't growing something. It's just like the stuff around growing people grows, and um, I, I think that decision, which, which will be hard for some of us, because some of us are more. Uh, you know, you probably got some people listening. They're just like, they were great students and all that. And then there's some of us that are like, school was not our thing. And yet, I think we all have to decide. I know a bunch of people who are really great students in school and they're not learning or growing anymore at all. They think they got to a point point they arrived. And I know a bunch of people who really weren't the best students way back, and, and that, but they've made a decision to become a learner. And so I think at some point, every single leader needs to decide, am I gonna be a learner or not? And so I think that's where it starts as it relates to curiosity, there's just so much to learn. I mean, there's just so much to, um, you know, the world is so amazing. When you, when you think about it, God's given us so many opportunities. I think there are places we can go when we travel, we learn, when we talk to people, we learn, when we read, we learn, when we listen to podcasts, we learn. I mean, there's just so many great ways uh, to to learn, which I think is good. But as it relates, I said, I'll give you one idea. I think what are the three or four questions that you need to lead with. I think when you have a chance to meet with somebody, what do you want to know? Do you know? Do you want to know what they're reading? Okay, make that one of your questions. Or do you want to know, you know, what are they doing? Maybe you've got an area, they're very good at communicating, or they're very good at, at delegating, or you're trying to get better at leading meetings, and you find the best person you know, and you start talking to them about what it is they, they do. And so when you start having these conversations, leading with questions is a really powerful, um, way to think about it. It's not, um, it's not, again, it's probably not count. It's probably counterintuitive. I think so many times we lead with, well, let me tell you what I think, or let me, you know, but, but when we start asking and listening and processing and assessing and trying to connect those dots back. So curiosity to me is, is a really big idea. I I think we have it when we're born. I mean, I think we just, you know, I've got a little grandson now. He's always asking why we do this. or why we do that? He's got all these questions. I think at some point we get to a you know I don't know if it's fourth or fifth grade and they tell us you know we're going to alphabetize everybody and you're going to sit in your row and you're going to do what you're supposed to do and we yeah. we, we just kind of crush the curiosity out of people if we're not careful and god made every single person so unique and so inquisitive and their personalities are amazing and I, and I think when we when we understand that and we and we we maintain and and not just maintain but fan the flame of that curiosity that's it's, it's a part really of the the amago day. I mean, it's, it's it's the image of God in us. Yeah. Is uh, I mean, God knows all the answers, but just just the creativity is incredible. And so, I, I would encourage people to just find one area, something you're curious about, something you can learn, and start asking questions. And it, I, I think when we when we do that, it actually positions us later when we run into things. We're going, we, we're just so much more um, well rounded. I think that's that's yeah. important. I'll also say, I think it's important that we're appointed though. I don't, I don't think it's enough just to be well-rounded. That's great. But I think, you know, let's, let's talk just for a second about our strengths. There's things you're really good at, focus on those things, but, but have this broader perspective than the way you were raised or the way, you know, where you grew up or, or whatever. I, I think it's, you know, there's a lot to learn there. And, and we live in this world now, everything is so dogmatic. I think there are things that are you know, I mean, I think Scripture is true, and we need—I mean, there's things that we need to, you know, fall on that sword. But I think we make a big deal out of so many things that are really small, and
1: yeah,
2: and then we end up with disunity, and that is not kingdom. I mean, it's not Jesus did not live that way, and so yeah. I, you know, I think if we're going to really be disciples. We need to listen to what other people say and try to empathize with other people, and that curiosity part of those conversations, empathy. Really, I'll say one more thing about that. It's it's understanding and sharing in the feelings of another it's not just oh I understand what you're going through Scott and I'm glad that's not me I mean that's kind of our default right I'm like oh I'm glad that I'm not or or something's joy really going well for you I'm like I, I, I know I'm you know I'm happy for you on the outside but on the inside I'm jealous or envious that's not biblical. Yeah. so yeah. I think but the you know as a part of curiosity it's it's like what what is this person really feeling and I just have so many great people who are they're, they're just they're great at this. I mean, they, they understand maybe they maybe it's their spiritual gift. Well, it's not for most of us. And we've got to really lock in and try to, you know, share and what, what other people are feeling. I think when we do, it just, it raises our level of leadership. Those are the leaders we really want to follow at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, it really is. And I, I love what you've said before that I think it was your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. So if we, if we don't choose to be lifelong learners, then our ability to lead is going to be diminished on the back end. It's going to
2: bottleneck what God yeah. wants to do through us. Exactly. So, yeah.
1: So good, man. Randy, thanks for being on. I feel like I've been in, in 45 minutes of a coaching, personal <laughs> coaching session. So I appreciate being able to just ask some of these things that are on my heart, but also that I think will help our listeners. So how can people find you? Randy Gravitt, speaker, yeah, yeah. coach Extraordinaire.
2: Yeah, you can get me at randygravit.com. It's probably the easiest place. My email, email me, randy at randygravit.com. Uh, I'm here. We have a company, Integrate Leadership. We work with a um, bunch of organizations. We can help your organization or team. If you're looking for some training or help, you know, reach out. Love to do uh, an event for you. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're there. I'm on social media. It's just Randy Gravit. So, um, got, got all that.
1: And that's Gravit 1V2Ts, right?
2: one V as in Victor and two T's. That's right.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, friends, let me, let me close with a final thought. Um, uh, about- I, can
2: I also give them Scott? I, I got a
1: little, resource oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On- you got a resource. I- Share us about that.
2: Yeah. So uh, we, Mark Miller, he's a guy who's a leadership development guy at Chick-fil-A. He and I do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff together and we've written a little quick start guide to help leaders work on their character. And so I'd love to give everybody one. You may be putting show notes as well, but if he'll text, right. H O L that's for heart of leadership, H O L. They'll text that to three, three, seven, seven, seven. Um, they can download that right onto their phone and, and that'll give them some things they can do to practice some of the things really we've been talking about today. And also we'll mention, I, I we said at the beginning, and I told you I would, I would mention, I have a podcast called chasing greatness and uh, we, we try to help leaders when at work, when at home and when at life. And so we, we would love for you to download that. And, and, uh, Give us a listen as well. That would be helpful to you.
1: That'd be excellent. So tell me one more time. That's H-O-L? H-O-L to
2: 33777.
1: 33777. Great. And then they'll they'll just follow the prompts from there.
2: That'd be great. Yep.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. Well, folks, let me give you a final thought here um, of just something. This is the hardest question that the Lord has uh, put on my heart since I've been in Georgia, and I will leave it with you because it. I think it deals with what we're talking about in leading self. And there, here's the question: When your time of leading is public, publicly done, when it's over, what will you miss the most? Stories of gospel impact and life change, or the affirmation and the applause of the crowd? And I just want to leave that with you. I want to let that settle because I that has troubled me as a guy who. You know, as as pastors, as leaders, we just tend to be in front of people. Now, as Discipleship Catalyst, I tend to be in front of people. And it bothers me, Randy, that at certain points in my day, if I would be honest, it is the affirmation and applause of the crowd that that drives me more than gospel impact and those life change stories. So, man, it's just been been something that's been on my heart. I'm going to leave that with you guys. And I hope that you will let it just marinate because we have to lead with the right hard. And that's what I've heard Randy say several times over and over. Randy Gravitt, thank you for joining us today, friend.
2: Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks for all that everybody out there is doing. It's making the world better. And we're grateful for all your ministry.
1: Absolutely. Lana Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing today's discussion. And I want to remind our listeners that we're only able to do the broadcast because you give to the cooperative program. So thanks for doing that. And I pray that today's discussion with Randy Gravett will equip you to think often, invest intimately, and dream big as we make world impacting disciples.
0: Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.